0: show, uh, one of the, f- the founders of View Legal, Matthew Burgess. Welcome along, Matthew. G'day,
1: Tim. Yeah, welcome. Thank you.
0: So, yeah, a bit, of, a bit about uh, Matthew. I guess uh, we, it's, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to come out to Kedron today and uh, being on the podcast, but I guess what we do with the, these podcasts, uh, Matthew, is we sort of find out a bit of, a bit of background about the person. We want to sort of, I guess it's the focus is on you, I guess, with the podcast, finding out a bit about what makes you tick. Uh, and there can be some interesting things that you sort of bring up, conversation-wise, and, and uh, who knows where the conversation sort of leads to. So tell us a bit about your early life. Where did you actually grow up, and that sort of thing? What, what did you get up to as a young young kid?
1: Yeah, well, Tim, I was doing a bit of uh, social media stalking in an in an appropriate way, I should add, <laughs> before coming on. And I, I, we might be related. I think because I was actually born in in Tassie, and I'm assuming if you went to uh, <laughs> to the Tasmanian University, you didn't go there by choice. You went there because that's where you grew up as well. But um, that's exactly right. Yeah. So I was I certainly went to
0: the University of Tasmania uh, in the mid to mid 90s, um, wow. and obviously okay. moved up here in the year 2000. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. And uh, been working here in May 2000 ever since. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah so that's wow. there. You go. What part of uh, Tasmania?
1: Yeah, so no, I was it uh, was a bit of a short stop there, really. So spent probably the first 18 months, two years of my life in Hobart. So uh, very young, yeah. Very, very young. Yeah, and then moved, actually grew up in Canberra. Uh, so moved there in the sort of mid-70s, early to mid-70s, and then moved to Brisbane in 1988. So the year of the expo. The year of the expo, you moved up here since 88. So
0: you uh, been up here for 30 years, so that's...
1: Yeah, well, you know, another ten or fifteen years, and I'll, I'll almost be a local,
0: I think. I thought you, were, <laughs> you sound like you're pretty much a local anyway. Yeah, <laughs> that is for sure. So, um, so obviously didn't. Canberra, was it, did you say that was the first sort of, most of your first 10 years in Canberra? Yeah, probably, or closer to 15 years probably yeah.
1: in Can- Canberra, and yeah. Um, yeah, so interesting town, probably a much different town I think now than it was mm. in the late 70s, early 80s, but yeah, no, it was, yeah, enjoyed, enjoyed living there in many respects, but but very grateful to ultimately end up in, in Bris Vegas. Yeah, and obviously you've probably been here ever since 1988 then. Yeah, absolutely, yep. Yeah, and I guess what sort of
0: did you, what sort of sport did you play growing up as a kid? There was anything in particular that you enjoyed or or liked to associate with?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean I probably being a, a Tassie boy w- was meant to play AFL and uh, and mum wouldn't let let us do that. So I got into soccer as a young kid and ended up being sort of half half good at that. So got yeah, got to representative level at soccer and uh, and sort of did swimming and and that sort of thing as well and a bit of cricket, but yeah. It's a very long time ago now. Oh, I've <laughs> been embarrassed sure. to even talk about it. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> I, mean, I yeah, soccer and then basketball.
0: A little bit of AFL mixed in between. I don't think I was ever good at it, but you know, even today I, I love watching it. So yeah, okay. I'm not sure if you ever watch it. These days on television, aerial ping pong,
1: or not? Uh no. I uh, we actually one of the sort of life decisions was back in about two thousand and four, two thousand and five. Got rid of the telly, and uh, okay, and have managed to hold on to that ever since. So yeah, I, I wouldn't have watched a lot. I wouldn't have watched a television game. Well, yeah, since two thousand and five. So yep. you, you date me on that. Yeah, it's yeah. a long time ago now. But um, but yeah, yeah Dad's still a mad keen. In fact, I took him took him down to the grand final a couple of years ago to to uh, fulfil a childhood dream with him. So uh, who's, which team does he support? Well, the way he describes it is the team where you um, your underpants match the uh, the colour of your team. So it's sort of brown brown at the back, yellow at the front. Or and You uh, oh, can good narrow run. down. They've, they've had a very good run, as he tells me. Although I think this year wasn't as good. He wasn't no, as, well, as happy mood. I think they, had, they, yeah. did,
0: they came about fourth, but the yeah, 80s, okay. they, were, they were sort of did very well in the 80s, That's even right. in the 90s a little bit. Um, but they then they had a, that run of about three or four premierships in a row. Yeah. Um, yep. In more recent times, and my brother who lives over in China, he bloody supports Hawthorne.
1: <laughs> do, do you still follow it? Oh, oh yeah. I'm a Richmond
0: supporter. So.
1: Ah, right. Oh, well, there you go. Uh,
0: yeah, so that's, that's a good always decision. been a Richmond yeah. supporter. And it was like, uh, you know, 1982 to last year, we had that gap. We hadn't, didn't even play in the Grand Final. Yeah. So it's such a long time. Yeah. Um, ultimately won it. And then this year something happened. We obviously lost to Collingwood, which, you know, We'll worry about that next year. Yeah, probably best not to talk about that. No, so (laughs) sport, sport, um, but that's what we sort of got up to. Uh, What sort of made you sort of make the step into... Was law your first choice when you were sort of going through... Uh, your late teens and early twenties—is that what you really wanted to get into as a career?
1: No, no, absolutely not. In, in fact, uh, and I'm embarrassed probably a little bit this as well. Accounting was absolutely my my first choice, and I only I was only I only did law because I was sort of forced into it because I, I sort of got an okay mark at school, and and they said you really should do two degrees, not one. Yes, uh, yeah. and and then under, under sufferance with no real intention ever to get into it, I, I did a law degree as well. Was that Q T U Q? Yeah, yeah, it was. It, uh, yeah, to just become QUT yep. uh, back in the day, and uh, yeah, so in, in fact, I think, and it may still be the case. I think they were the only ones that really offered a true accounting degree and a an account and a law degree. I very think strong in business. Yeah, 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 down down in the city there. So yeah, it ended up being quite terrible at accounting, and so I sort of realised mm-hmm. about the third or fourth year into uni, I thought, oh, I must be a lawyer. I better get I better get into this properly.
0: And so, what was it about law that you felt you sort of connected with uh, as a profession? Yeah, I, the
1: I think days. I think that, I mean the. Com- I've been a bit uh, flippant in relation to the accounting. The, the combination of the commercial aspects of law always really resonated with me, and and the ability to, to actually work with real people and add, and hopefully add some real value. So that, that certainly, I, I don't think I would have had that insight if I hadn't done the accounting. So that yeah. that was really good, and I was just super lucky to get to a firm that that well at the time anyway it was very commercial and and had a real bent on. You know what is the actual outcome we're trying to do yeah, so who was
0: the actual your first firm that you joined right out of sort of out of university?
1: Yeah, so it's uh, I don't know people will be aware of the firm. It's called McCullough, so McCullough you were Robertson. There right from the get go. Yeah, I was there okay. from the late '90s. Uh, yeah, I was there for 18 years effectively. So, yeah, I really sort of say um, okay. yeah, sort of turned 18 and I was trying to <laughs> to leave home because yeah. it a yeah, magnificent firm and and really there during a period of just halcyon growth. So very you know I think. For, to the extent that headcount's relevant, we were, in the time I was there, it sort of went from about 60 or 70 people all up to, to almost 600 in, uh, Gee, in about 15, 16 growth. years yeah. on, on that period. So, it yeah, it was an enormous growth and it was fantastic to be a small part of that. Yeah,
0: so was, were you sort of, initially, was it any particular part of law? Uh, was it sort of everything or did you sort of, when did you sort of go into the estate planning and tax sort of space?
1: Yeah, so, it, I mean, that was one of the huge advantages of being there when it was quite small because they, that firm, well, maybe I'm a bit biased, but to me that mm-hmm. firm was really built off the back of a tax and estate planning practice, even yeah. though it became very much a corporate firm over time. Mm-hmm. So, I uh, I was very lucky to get into the Pure Wills division back in the late 1990s and work with some, actually, you know, absolutely amazing people and then went from there straight into the tax division and it was to get my years right, it was one of the recessions, I don't know which one, and it just seemed like a really natural, with the accounting degree and a bit of succession law and then, you know, the, the old mantra that death and taxes are never going to go out of fashion. Then no, That was right. sort of the decision, yeah, from the late 1990s to combine those two, and, and I've been there ever since.
0: Yeah. So I guess we all, we sort of, I mean, the way I sort of view your work is, you know, you've, you've got a creative sort of mind. Um, because you obviously you've written quite a quite a few books, um, and, and the way you sort of articulate things, you're uh, a very well renowned public speaker. Where did when did you sort of develop as you know? When did you sort of develop that part of your professional life?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think. I think it did was always there to some level and it was really fostered particularly in the early years at McCullough's. it was a, it was almost an expectation that you would have that entrepreneurial bent probably a lot like your firm that you really try to make a difference now as the firm got bigger that became harder and harder to actually be true to that spirit for a lot of people me included and yeah so it was always i think it was just in the dna from the start and and rightly or wrongly it stayed all the way through there and i, I think you know, we're just living. I mean, this is just a fantastic example today. I mean, how good how good's this? you you got your own radio show with, with all the equipment and yeah. and it's just it's inspiring. It's I mean, podcasting
0: yeah. is one of the, one of those things, Matthew. That I mean, it's I guess it's a more of a newer new, newer flavor of the month type thing. It's been around for a while, but it's becoming more prevalent these days. And people do like in you know listening to particular podcasts. And I mean, I've got my own particular ones that I like to listen to. Yeah. Uh, that I get some sort of, you know, get some inspiration from. Um, Obviously clients, I like to sort of, I like clients to get involved in these types of, you know, uh, things as well and hear their stories. Uh, It's a good way they can share their stories. It's a good way, it's a newer way they can get themselves out there and maybe get noticed. um, Yeah. See how it all sort of goes. But, um, yeah, exactly. So,
1: mm. yeah, I mean, and, and that, you know, your journey, I think, would be very similar to ours is, is the reality of it and and really using technology like we're using today to to democratize access to mm. stuff that historically was mm. very very difficult to get access to so that that's always you know in some respects we stumbled on it uh back back in the day yes. but it, that that's always been a huge catalyst for what we want to do like we want to make we were blessed to work with you know and, and still are was you know some of the most wealthiest and most influential and most successful people but it just didn't feel right that you couldn't then take all of those learnings and make them available to the wider community. And and with technology, and as your podcast is an example, it, it's in, you know, it's, everyone's got the ability to do that. And, and I we would argue we've almost got an obligation. Like if you're lucky enough to have a great business and, and work in great areas, why aren't you using technology to make that more widely available? That's the question yeah, we try to
0: answer. Definitely technology is one of those things that, you know, in both our professions, has certainly evolved over the last, uh, you know, 15, 20 years um, from the desktop computer with a big fat monitor yeah.
1: um,
0: to now what we see is, you know, everything on this thing called the cloud, you know, that it's uh, it's still reasonably new tech- terminology even for some people, the, you know, that the whole cloud thing. And, you know, obviously um, that's where the accounting practice is. You want to build them in the cloud. You obviously the client record keeping in the, in the cloud. Now what you've sort of uh, wanted to do I guess in, in uh, you know to, to make a bit of a difference in the world was to sort of you know follow the technology bent and, and sort of turn something and create something yourself so tell us a bit about how that all that all that process started with you um, and when did you sort of click on the idea this is what I want to do and and the people that you sort of you know took to with you on that journey
1: yeah I mean I, I think and I'm probably name checking you or I think I've probably heard you use this Phrase that in this area, it's like the old Steve Jobs quote I don't think you really, I don't know, there's a lot of people that have the plan at the start and everything just goes exactly as you always intended. Yeah, yeah. Really, for us, it's been we've drawn the dots, you know, in hindsight, and we're looking back, we really stumbled on it. I mean, it it was a combination of events it was actually I won't get into too much detail but it it was actually a huge IT fail at a time where I just didn't even I mean I had a computer I probably didn't even turn it on you know that was my level of interest and skills Uh, but but a big fail and I just scratched the surface a little bit found out that the fail was actually nothing to do with the technology it was to do with the humans behind the technology and, and that got me thinking well hang on which I think is a something that everyone sort of accepts now the technology is only ever an enabler so it's really about building the business model and the systems around that and then using that technology to leverage it and, and become the enabler so so yeah so for us in the estate planning space and the tax and estate planning we we had all the intellectual property to do the high-end stuff but you know you were or well the, the phrase I often is i couldn't afford to see myself Hmm. You know, we're charging out at a thousand bucks an hour, or that's just like who who seriously can afford? Yes, we're fairly wealthy, yeah. yeah, and 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 even the ones that are <clears throat> sort of in theory well enough, well off. That's not something that most sensible people would choose to do if they had a had a choice. So, that that was a catalyst for us to look at pricing. Cer- Certainly with pricing, which was the the sort of fixed pricing. Yeah, and then once you're on that. Road and you sort of get rid of the timesheets, etc., well, then suddenly it, it really does become an outcome focused uh, business, and, and technology has to be part of that. It has to be a core part of what you're doing because it's the best way yeah, in a definitely. lot of places to deliver. Yeah, definitely.
0: So, I mean, yeah, and obviously, you think back not too long ago, it was, you know, it was sort of hourly rates, and that's what ended up on the, yeah, yeah. hours charge, that's what ended up on the client's bill, and you know, you can see over the, you know, over time you get more people rejecting that sort of philosophy um if you're a client especially you know why yeah, am I paying this yeah why am i paying you know 37 grand for something that you know it should have taken should have been done in five or ten you know so
1: yeah i mean i think for us and look it's it's it's, it's not always as simple as this but for us it, it's about trying to find ways where we can have a tenfold improvement so whether that's that can be by price coming down by ninety percent, but it can just to be as easily by value going up by by the same amount, and mm-hmm. that's where again the technology, if you can get it right, and you can invest to get those systems right, mm-hmm. that's where those huge values can be mm-hmm. delivered. So obviously, going from a, I mean, going from
0: an office where yeah, everyone sort of had their over their working space or offices, all in you know mcculloch Robertson, and then. The change, of the, the change of the world as far as what we see it I mean uh, working virtually working from home w- working in remote places perhaps um, that transition process tell me a bit about your experiences there
1: uh, well again I mean and I think a lot of the people you've had on the podcast will, will have already spoken of this I mean I, we can look back now and say it was part of a wider strategy, but the reality was initially, I mean, we were a start-up business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we couldn't – we didn't want an overhead of, a, yeah, exactly, you know, yeah. of office premises. Uh, but then, you know, touch wood and, and fortunately looking back, we got through that very, very quickly. Uh, and then it was like, Oh, hang on, who are the offices actually for? And – a lot of law firms would say, Well, they're for the client, but I think if you actually look at them and you know the marble offices and the river or the harbour views or whatever it might be, someone's actually paying for that. And a lot of that space is space that's just never actually used. you know like if you looked at it on a percentage yeah. sense, it's it's used very, very little. and And so we and I think the other part for us, and you know this very well, is that we don't really have any clients. like we only work with other advisors. Yeah. Um, and so it's just critical for us to actually be where our advisors are, which is not in our office. Yeah, that's that
0: makes sense. So um, yeah, so, so obviously some difficulties with that whole process. You know, obviously you look at the monetary saving. Obviously, you needed that. Yeah, as a startup, um, but they can, you, know, you can be anywhere in the world. So would you sort of? If you were sort of overseas somewhere, which I'm sure you've been overseas, were you still working, you know, on the business, that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And and so we, all of our team, well, sorry, we've got a, a designated team and a designated office up in the Philippines and another yep. sort of two places in India yep. um, The two different components of our business. But we would be we would have people in somewhere between 50 and 60 countries at any particular time yeah. doing different parts of our business yeah. uh, on a consultancy basis and then all of the Australian based team are by remote as well mm. and so yeah, we, we have no, there are no rules basically around where people do their work, how they do it. I mean, sorry subject to having strict IT protocols that, that sit around all of that. Yes, yeah, security in terms of, sort of stuff, yeah, exe- yeah. In terms of exactly where you are we're, we're totally agnostic and and it's interesting. I mean, people still say, oh, you work from home. I go, yeah, but I'm – you know, there's many weeks where I don't, I'm i not at home at all because, you're like, I'm here with you today or yep. I'm, next week I'm in uh, Sydney. Yeah. You know, like, just all over the place. Yeah. Um, but but the office, you don't do the video, uh, the video streaming, but the office is literally the phone. Yeah. yeah, you know, we can run, run – basically run the whole business through the iPhone. Exactly, yeah. No, definitely.
0: So with the – I get – I guess when did you start doing um speaking engagements and doing presentations and that type of thing and going around and and you know you, you mentioned uh, to me earlier that um, kevin ryan who had on the podcast you yeah know, quite well small world as you know brisbane there's only two degrees of
1: separation um <laughs> it, there's that. a tasmania one liner there but we won't <laughs> we won't oh, go I, no, there actually <laughs> to be honest i
0: mean living in in tasmania living in brisbane and, the, and you look at the population difference of just Brisbane being a couple of million and Tasmania being half a million. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you actually seem to know a lot more people, you know, you, people know more people in Brisbane and it's because I think it's that whole small town mentality. Yeah, yeah. There's not much in the way of separation at all. With Tasmania, you, you probably never know someone at the, right at the other end of the state or even down the road around the corner perhaps. So you, you may not, never meet them, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But yeah the people that we sort of kick in, we, we see people all the time, whether it's networking, whether it's, um, you know, through other people that know people, so, but how did you actually sort of get into public speaking to begin with, and um, were you good at it to start off with, and did it take a bit of practice to be, become good at it for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I and and good's probably a strong word. I, probably competent would be would be another word. I it's it's very much a journey for me, and I think that, like you mentioned, Kevin, he's an absolute standout uh, presenter. I'm, you know, i feel very fortunate to be in the same uh, speaking community as him because he's a mentor and a leader in that space. for, for us, it's been. And, again, I think you and I have spoken about this at length, particularly in the estate planning space, storytelling is is the centrepiece. So many people never actually get their estate planning done until either it's too late or, or not at all. Yes. And the only way we've found to actually unbundle that is to actually say well it's about storytelling and to be able to tell stories you know the books are one part of it but to be able to speak in front of a room is another big part of that so yeah to answer your actual direct question probably started in the late 1990s early 2000s at a very superficial level and have just been constantly investing over that time to you know to try to get better whether it be in a training environment uh, Mm. video streaming webinars or, or in that public public forum as well
0: no, that's that's excellent. Then obviously, books. I mean, you're, you're you know I've uh, seen that you're an author of quite a few books. I mean, I remember, um, I think you sent me the Dream Enabler, a few, like, probably three years ago or whatever it that's was. Right. I had a bit of a yeah. had a bit of a flick through that. Some stories about you know, dealing with different situations and and with, with clients and meeting deadlines and and you know what push what pushed some particular people's buttons and yes. and all of that sort of yeah. stuff. So. That was quite interesting. Then you've sort of gone into, and I really like the way, you know, you present these books. I mean, we've got one recently from you, 101 Tips for Staying Young and Foolish, and it's a really good little, you know, uh, some really good quotes taken, uh, some pictures. Uh, It's very creative, it's, and that's just an example of what you, you know, what you do. That's, That's just something to say, you know, that's something I'd be proud of. If I'd come
1: up with something like that, uh, that's very generous, Tim. And I, yeah, again, it, we're sort of we're circling around some topics here. When when we got when I got rid of the telly yeah. uh, back in two thousand and five, I can't uh, do too much to that, But just just a bit of a health issue with one of the kids, and okay. um, and it, it's started down this path of uh, trying to encourage them to get more into learning and more into reading. So I actually, I actually started, and I'll, maybe I need to send you one, started writing children's books. So I, I, was, I did read that, you had, yeah. Had, I hadn't actually read
0: any, but I had read that you'd sort of done
1: that. Yeah, so that was – I actually didn't even do that under my name. It was all – was a bit of a lark, basically, a bit yeah. of a side thing and really only done for for that particular daughter. and uh, and But that gave us the confidence. Like, we made a lot of errors and we made a lot of mistakes and, and but learned a lot of lessons as well. I mean, sort of thought – Getting out of the big oil machine, uh, sort of, you know, if you actually think about those really big organisations, most of the ways they've made money historically is by keeping all the information very tight and not letting it out. And so we had it as a a really core part of our why was to say, well, we wanted to flip that. Share it. We wanted to to share it, we wanted to democratise it, and so it was on our bucket list that we wanted a textbook in every one of the key areas that we were in. And, and we did that. And then, as you said, that then gives you the confidence to then start sharing some of the business lessons as well, which is the one you've got there.
0: Yeah, excellent. Now that's uh, that's really good. And then, obviously, the 101 uh, jokes yeah. about lawyers <laughs> I, and accountants. Was, you uh, said you were going
1: to bring that up. <laughs> but you knew I was going to bring that yeah, up. Yeah, no, but, I did
0: I guess. Is it, is it, I mean, is there any truth to the fact that a lot of the, you look at the accountant's book and it's pretty much the same as the lawyer's book? <laughs> is there any truth? It's entirely true, Tim.
1: We uh there's this functionality in Word where you go find and replace. So we took lawyer out <laughs> and replaced it with accountant. Although there was a grammar error because there were a few, you can't say a accountant, you've got to say an accountant. So of it took me an extra 10 minutes to knock that up. But, it, <laughs> but the, and you heard me say, this as well the interesting thing with that is so we so yeah we've written probably two million words worth of uh, technical legal content in and it's it wouldn't be really interesting to anyone on this podcast but but in our little marketplace it's it's quite good and and, and it sells etc with the if you added up all of the sales on those technical books and multiplied it by about ten uh, you would then get to the sales that we get out of the lawyer joke book and now the accounting joke book. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, it, it sells in the US. Like, Amazon sells us checks, send us checks. It's, um, That's really good. Well, it's demoralising because the, <laughs> the joke books took, you know, all of the weekend to knock up and some of those technical books take two or three years. Uh, but anyway, mm. we try to be a bit uh, self-aware about it.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, one of the things that you're sort of uh, – you know wanting to revolutionise for a long time is obviously get rid of the timesheet you know do things on a, on a value pricing model that's what you sort of bring into view legal that's what set view legal you know as a, as a sort of point of difference from everybody else that was yes. um, or most people that were competing with that sort of market that you're in um, we've We've used View Legal. Uh, we've we've done about forty different estate planning jobs that I can think off the top of my head that Thank we've you. used yeah. your you know what your IP effectively, and you've obviously licensed it to for us to be able to to, to sort of uh, use you know provide the solutions to the clients. And you know we've done many a survey. You know, fifty sixty percent don't even have a will. And there's a very small percentage that get it right anyway. Mm. So mm. Uh, it's it's certainly been very good for our practice to be able to find something that's going to work uh, works well with our practice uh, in offering that particular service to clients because you know accounts are the trusted advisor and uh, they want to you know the way we sort of set it up come come to the office we'll, we'll do the teleconference in here we'll have view legal on the on the phone or the teleconference you can see them there that's uh, it going through 45 minutes an hour going through the whole will. The enduring powers of attorney. It's just a really good process. Clients love it. Um, more than ninety-five percent uh, with positive feedback. Fantastic. Uh, when we've done that, so uh, the documentation very professional and and obviously has all the definitions very clear, which I think is very important uh, when it comes to legal legal stuff like that. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, um, where where do you think what do you, where you're gonna take the next journey, I guess. Is, is there something you've been th- sort of thinking about? Where's ViewLegal gonna go from here? Is it is there anything else on the horizon?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've, that summary you've just given, it, yeah, it almost gives me tingles down my spine. I mean, the, the whole reason we set it up was because we do believe in the estate planning space that accountants and financial advisors are by far the trusted advisors. They are the best people to deliver it. And, and really, law- you need the lawyers to do maybe one step out of 10, but all the other steps should really be done by a far more competent person than your, your standard lawyers. So that to hear you, you share that story and and be able to relay that. That way the experience works is fantastic and and really our model is to just keep rolling that out more widely uh in the areas that we're good at so we've we've in recent times done a joint venture with probably well, we think probably the leading technology fintech company in this space in the country yep. and that uh is kind of it's already revolutionized a number of the solutions that we have the estate planning is next and then from there yeah, it's no real secret. We've always said we will. Advisors like you should be able to do as seamlessly as you do the front-end estate planning, you should be able to do the back-end estate planning, so probate and estate administration. Uh, yes. And then there's just... And then off that becomes a, there are a whole lot of other things that we... Again, we think the legal industry as a whole, and I'm making generalisations, uh, are not good. Not good delivering proper value in a timely way, in a, in a way that is risk-free... And we think if we can use the technology and advisors as a catalyst to make that a reality, then we'll have made a difference. No, that's
0: that's really really good. Um, I guess well, some of the things I read about you, and if, if they still still um, hold true today, um, one of your favourite things is it like the the green smoothie? Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> you
1: yeah, have done your homework. Yes, I. Uh, I feel a bit unstable if i haven't had a green smoothie each morning so, so I, it's one of
0: those things you get out of bed and have breakfast with the, the green smoothie at that time of the day it's right right as you get out of bed to get your energy sort of up and focused and it into, is.
1: into the day I, I don't get many invites out because I, I don't watch telly so it's hard for me to make someone talk about richmond but i did hear that they won uh, in yeah. 2017 and uh yeah don't drink coffee and i don't drink tea but I so, but I, it's interesting. The green smoothies. I, so I've been on them for probably about ten or twelve years as well. Uh, but I, they're becoming ubiquitous. Like you go to a lot of places and they've got green smoothies now. Whereas back in the day, you you couldn't find them anywhere unless still, you're sort of pro,
0: still probably hard to find, but they are there I'm sure. Yeah, they're,
1: they're Especially be, more in the city, I guess. Yeah, it seemed to be. I mean, it might go out of fashion again, but for me, it's um, it's just a great way to get a whole lot of stuff in. Yeah, uh, yeah first thing in the morning. Yeah, definitely. So,
0: so obviously TV, that's something you sort of you said since 2005, haven't really yeah, had, had it
1: on in the yeah, house. Yeah, Well, we don't even have one. Yeah, so that's hard well, to have it on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: we yeah. don't have one. Um, so what about uh, social media? Obviously you're, you're on LinkedIn and that's one of the ways we would have connected over the course of LinkedIn. That's Are right. Are you using other social media other
1: than LinkedIn? Uh, not, not really. I and, and even LinkedIn sort of under sufferance, I've... I, try to contribute into the discussion where I think yeah. there's value I could add to other people. Yeah. Uh, but I, I wouldn't say that I'm on there very often, really. And and I we don't delegate any of that to anyone either. So it's sort of like, yeah, we, it, whatever's there is us. Uh, is it on the list to look more seriously at some of the others? Well, I'll probably ask you. To, you know, what, what's your view? For, for our business, like we're, we're solely business to business, we, yeah. we don't. Yeah, do people really want to know? Definitely,
0: I mean, professionals obviously LinkedIn it goes hand in hand being on there. Yeah, you know, in yeah. Brisbane, Australia, um, to have that. Um, there are obviously other you know forms of social media that pretty much a lot of people you know are using. So Facebook seems to be not going away unfortunately I mean, yeah okay i'm hoping one day that something else comes into <laughs> to to sort of take it or people away from it because it's a, most it's addictive for a lot of people it absolutely uh, is it's more yeah. addictive than television facebook yes um and people try to you know it's it may be okay for some businesses to, to go there um i know some of the people that that uh, you've associated with that they love their social media as well yeah um and uh, they sort of use it as a platform to promote To promote or you know that sort of thing Um, and then there's Instagram is probably becoming more I guess more relevant I guess uh, than it used to be I think uh, you see more people using it more followers it's sort of an I guess the newer version of Facebook we've just it's just pictures and Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah it's probably not something it sounds like it's up your alley um twitter's all about the news really and just finding out you know what donald trump's bloody saying today yeah yeah so <laughs> it's not there's not much uh, so that's that's a bit of a summary and we've had these discussions with a few of the other people that have been on the um that have been uh on the podcast as well so and, and discussing you know how a real estate agent uses all these different yeah, okay. um types of media and what works and what doesn't and so it, it, it's quite an interesting conversation, but it's it is. I mean, there is technology involved there as well. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. But again, um, it doesn't technology just because you don't like something or it's not not for you, it doesn't mean you know, you're not technologically driven. Like obviously, your processes that you've got there with with you legal, there's a lot of technology behind in the background, uh, doing stuff in a systemized way that's going to work you know, as instantaneously as possible. And, I'm sure over
1: time that's just going to get um, better. Yeah, and I, I think I think the most interesting description I've heard of it recently is that it's not an it's not an or, it's an and. and certainly that's what we try to do with our social media presence—that we we try to contribute in a quality way and the vast majority of it is then used to iterate into you know, a more detailed blog post and then those blog posts are iterated into discussion papers or white papers and those white papers form the foundation for the for the e-books and then the e-books form the foundations for the actual published books and then those form the foundation for the public speaking. So it's all, we, we try to look at it as an ecosystem. So yeah, yes, social media is a part of that, but it for us it's only one component of a much bigger ecosystem
0: and so i guess who are the i guess the what are the people that sort of influence you in your life as far as is anybody in particular that's like a famous person that you've sort of grown um from as far as being able to get something from the way they look at things or i mean i ask this question that Most of the people that come on here and they sort of give me lots of different answers as to what their inspirations are, whether it's someone in their close in their family, their their father, uh, or they they just get inspired by fixing a problem, or and they work out well. I know how to fix that problem. No one needs to tell me I, I know how to do that. And then there's obviously other you know people that might get inspired by somebody else who's leading the way.
1: Yeah. Look, all, all of the above. I, I think you know. If you mentioned my father, there, it, it, one of his mantras was: "You got you know two eyes and one mouth. Use them in that proportion." Oh, sorry, two ears. <laughs> I didn't even. I'll look in you in Two ears and and one mouth, and, and use them in that proportion. And I think that's if you're willing to stop and listen, there's just wisdom all around, all the time, every day. And then you combine that. With with reading, I'm just an, again that's probably from my folks ultimately and, and my wife that we're just yeah. avid avid readers. And so you read a lot of books. I mean, what are some of the fa- your favorite types of books that you like to read? Is sort of more of a
0: non fiction, fiction biographies? What what do you sort of get into?
1: Yeah, I, I'm very boring. I'm I tend to be very much into the nonfiction and yeah, there's sort of the, the Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger type. Which will now think about as all well out of Berkshire Hathaway, isn't it? But it, yeah, the, this idea that you just got to devour, you know, I'll, I'll probably take five or six weeks at the end of each year and, and just, I can sometimes read two, three, even four books a day in that and, and just jam pack, you know, somewhere between 100 and 200 books that I read and then take summaries and then just let all of those ideas brew into, you know, into what's going to be part of the plan for the following years. So, it's, um, And it's hard not, you know, you, you see those phrases, try to hang out with people, you know, five people that are more interesting and more talented than you and, and books are a fantastic way to do that.
0: Yeah, definitely. So where are some of the your favourite destinations, I guess, around the world to get to sort of enjoy a holiday or relax or...
1: Gather your thoughts. Oh, I'm going to be uh, going to be very boring again, <laughs> again on this one. I uh, this year will be. I think I haven't actually done the exact maths. It's certainly more than 15. It might be up to 16 or 17th year in a row uh, that was we'll spent at least a month at Coolangatta on the Southern uh, Gold Coast. So you've got
0: if you've got a favourite place, you've got a favourite place. It's
1: just uh, I think what's the phrase? It might be in one of the books. There, uh, when I die, I want to be spread all over Greenmount Headland. Just remember to cremate me first. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so we've been... uh, admittedly, my wife's got family down there, but um, we've been going there every summer for for as long as I can remember. And and I think for us, it was... We we did, uh, back in the late 1990s, early 2000s, did one of the, you know, the European adventures sort of thing, and I vividly remember it was a magnificent day being off the Isle of Capri in Italy there and turning around and saying to someone who was also from Oz, this is almost as good as Greenmount. And I sort of just stopped and went, oh, hang on. <laughs> i just flown on halfway around the world to go somewhere that's an hour away. So I'm very boring when it comes to that, Tim. I'm, yeah, I should be well, asking I mean, you where do you go. The thing yeah. is, I mean, um,
0: you've, one of my, I guess, favourite places in recent times is, is Queenstown in New Zealand, oh, actually. I mean, lovely. Um, three times the last three years, I think. So I've been To there, ski or? Uh, snowboarded in... Uh, st- just June, July, just gone. Awesome. Um, awesome, The year before that, I was my knee wasn't quite right, but okay. Um, but did that? I just loved it. My wife sort of loves the cold weather as well. Yeah. Um, so there's a there's a bit of a goal there to probably spend more time there. Yeah. I guess so. It's great. Uh, I think that that can be achieved. And um, no, it's great. So that's one of the places where I suppose regular, trying to get regularly going to, and who knows what will happen from there, but. Um, uh, but yeah, know going to Europe Christmas time this year, so we're going, oh, sensational. going to uh, uh, Germany and uh, Switzerland, Holland and Belgium. I think they're the four well, main places. So well, looking well. forward to a lot of those places. Have obviously pretty much everywhere we're going. I don't think I've been to so. Okay, oh that's a great uh, So feeling all new areas anyway. I've been to Berlin before, but not other parts of Germany. So yeah, okay. Um, been to Switzerland, but not so much Lucerne.
1: Okay thought oh, that'll
0: so, be magnificent. Yeah, no, looking forward to that, and that's only really five weeks yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five yeah. weeks yeah. away before
1: you are there for Christmas as well. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, okay. we're there for Christmas. Um, be staying with one of the, uh, my clients who was on the podcast, actually, uh, one of the earlier episodes. So he's got he lives over in Switzerland.
1: Awesome.
0: Uh, so looking forward to that. That should be great, and then Amsterdam for New Year's Eve. So okay, oh, that'll be. Um, but yeah, I and mean, I like to sort of just you know, places like Queenstown, and sort of even work I've worked there from there you know whilst I was holidaying I right. guess and isn't, it can, it isn't that awesome it that can is, be done so yeah. um, even with a pissy little laptop you can you can just sit down uh, in you know somewhere for a couple of hours just get all the emails sorted out yeah. uh, give them to someone else to, to do Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah exactly. or um, you know it, it, there was an occasion where I had to ring them back a few times to help a dentist sort out in a settlement so um, yeah no, it's, it's I think um, remotely you can work from, you should be able to work from anywhere, and most people that I talk to, it's becoming more
1: like that as well. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's absolutely, I, I think, um, you know, people talk about work-life balance, but hearing you speak there, I mean, to me, it's it's work-life integration, and, and, and how good's that? Mm. I, I, um, I ended up in the US at the end of last year for, for sort of a work-related thing. And I can't remember exactly how it was, but it was something like I'd, I'd finished the meetings there at 5pm, go back to the hotel room, and it was like 10am like or something back here in Oz. Yep. So I just worked for five or six hours at night, went to bed, like, and I'd basically done everything that would have done as a full day back here, but did it in five or six hours, and then I was up again, and then at this... So whereabouts were you then states there. Was uh, so this was actually interesting. So the, one of the communities is the, the Verisage community, which is really built around this idea of, of enabling professional service firms to get like off a, the timesheet. So they, yeah. they had their, they have a, every two years, they have a, like a really, an international conference and that was in Texas, Allen, Texas. Yeah. So, Texas
0: would be very interesting. I'm not sure if it'll get there or, it will, you know, but uh, it does sound like an interesting
1: Place. Oh, it, I mean, I'd never actually been there, I and mean, I'm looking fairness. What was I there for like four days, and, yep, and in, yep. in a hotel room for a lot of it? But yes, um, yeah. but unbelievable. Like just this, like I'm, i I like to think I understand big cities and, and big places, but it, everything in Texas seems very to, big.
0: Uh, when you go overseas anywhere, you've got to really got to have an open mind, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, you really got to expect. You, I mean, you can't always sort of always find uh, that you, you might an expectation on somewhere new that you're going to go to but you can't really sort of think that that expectation you've got to widen it and say well it could be this or it could be this yeah. and I think that's yeah. fairly important because you can have you can go to a, a place that's really inexpensive in the middle of Europe and it could be the best place on earth and you know, it could be cheap accommodation and just be lovely and be in, the, in, a, in a nice cool place or you go to a capital city which you think, oh, this should be okay it's, and you get out of in, in the wrong part of town, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it's, yeah, you've got to have that sort of, you know, you, you learn from experiences as well obviously how you, you know, how, how these sort of things go, um, that's for sure. With Brisbane itself though, you're, you're, you've obviously been here now for the last 30 years uh, or thereabouts, um, living here. What sort of attracts you to Brisbane to want to live in this sort of area? Um, what are the things that the city provides for you that that you sort of always will resonate, I guess, for the last 30 years?
1: Yeah, well, you're probably going to feel as I'm just quoting you back. I mean, I've heard you say, I think, all of these. I, to me, it is... There is a, a town... It's a city that, that still has a town feel around that. And I, yeah. and I know in the... When I first got here, that was an embarrassment for a lot of people. But I think now that that almost people still they actually okay. Well, that's actually quite cool. We're a city of two million people, but it still sort of feels a little bit like a town. So, you know, query how much longer that will last for. But that uh, that that and just, I think they've done studies on this. The the climate is is such that it it really to me fosters an entrepreneurial spirit and i just love being around other entrepreneurs i love being in the room here with you today so it's it's now could you get that in other cities absolutely but i think i use the isle of capri and koolangatta again you you could go a long 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 way Mm. maybe queenstown would be better but you could go a long 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 way and still end up back in brisbane and so i've I've always felt very confident being here and and being proud to to be a small part of of that Mm. community
0: yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's sort of what resonates, I guess. And and I mean, there is a the technology feel of, of this sort of town does keep up with most of the world. I think. I think I it's. Agree. Uh, yeah. I don't think we're too far behind. I think I don't think we're far from the from the from being you know uh, revolutionary in some areas of, of technology. And um, I met a lot of you know speaking to quite a few people that there's that sort of feel to it, and you know some early adop- adoption of things do happen in Brisbane.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think there's uh, again. You, I mean, there's probably whole books you could write on this, but the psychology, there's to me there's sort of like and there's that underdog culture that that still is very much in Queensland, and whether it's in the sporting domain or whatever else it might be. And I, to me, that that is really conducive to a great entrepreneurial spirit and mm-hmm. vision. When you just think, oh, we might just be a little bit behind here, so we're going to have to run a little bit harder than the next person, and to actual that we get to where we need to be at, and that. Again, to me, long may that last because I think that's a, a really critical part of being successful. And I guess
0: the people in, in this town too, most of them, you know, it sort of resonate with the, the everyday folk In obviously, you know, coming as wide as this area is, I guess, with other other neighbouring cities and, and uh, you know, uh, municipals or whatever, whatever yeah, you want to call them. But, yeah. but the core of sort of Brisbane, I think, is, you know, usually sort of gets on... You know, fairly well together. You know, obviously there are going to be a couple of people that don't like one another, but I think um, what I'm seeing is, you know, people generally making an effort to to be friendly to one another. Not that's not saying that everything, everything, everybody's like that, but it gives you an idea that you know that this is one of the reasons Brisbane works for me.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. We've, we've um, lived at Spring Hill for, for many years, and I think uh, my wife calls me out on this primarily because of the, the Go Betweens band having a, a, an album named after Spring Hill, and it was always on my bucket list. But, but just being in the middle of that and, and part of what, you know, well, this whole podcast, what's happening down the valley there, I mean, it's it's mind blowing. You know, yeah. it's absolutely mind blowing to see. After, I don't know if you've been down to King Street recently, for yeah, example. So I mean, King, what, King, King Street was phenomenal. Be,
0: we did a, one of the podcasts we did. We actually sort of there was a the Valley Chamber of Commerce put on a, a like a business festival
1: oh, uh, in King
0: Street. Okay, um, and uh, it was quite good actually. Took this H6 along wow. uh, with a little wow. with that thing cool. I think poking out the end and <laughs> um, goes for about an hour. But I actually got some bit of content for for the podcast. Um, uh, Philip De Bella was there. Awesome. Um, okay. Probably met him before. I'm sure. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> no, the um, <laughs> yeah. Another Brisbane icon.
0: Yeah, and a few other people. They had these people on a panel, so it was good to yeah, people asking him questions, listening. So yeah, this is okay. all in King Street. Nice one. Um, great. Yeah. Great. Great area, uh, and it's looks looks lovely. Uh, what's going on there? It's just gonna there be little pockets that just continue to sort of come up like um, James and King Street, and uh, and and the valley will become. Yeah, sort of more modernized over time. Yeah, sort yeah. Of the Central part. And um, we've had uh, a guy who's the chaplain, um, the, the chief chaplain, Lance murgarty he's been on the podcast. So, okay.
1: um,
0: but that's a great service they provide uh, uh, in protecting, um, I guess, people that go out and get sloshed and,
1: yeah, yeah, and they need,
0: something, need a bit of help uh, to be able to, you know, they've drunk too much, they stay out of trouble. Yeah, you know, if they can stay out of trouble, they can stay out of hospital. They can stay out of you know going dragged into the cops. So yeah, exactly. I think it's that, that's certainly getting better as as we sort of discussed you know on the podcast as well. But um, and that just makes a safer environment to live in, and it's, it's something that Brisbane can hang its hang its hat on as well. Um, and as I said business, the small business I think does very well in this area. Yeah, um, lots of different industries that do well. Uh, there's always going to be the, you know, those buildings in the city that uh, are there. That you know, the, the big four, the banks, you know, the big the big law firms, the yeah, 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 yeah. the um, the hotels. So it's it's got it's got everything for it. And it's it's certainly continuing, continuing onwards and upwards, um, as far as that's concerned. Um, as far as uh, I guess. Any other sort of interest? any other hobbies that you have uh, at all, Matthew, that you sort of want to share with us today? Anything
1: that... Uh, I think like just living in that part of the valley, it's sort of... A, it's just... Yeah, it's like being on holiday, basically. You've just got so many things around. I, I um, yeah, make sure I swim a couple of times a week at the Centenary Pool. You know, rain, hail, or shine. Uh, we've got... Yeah, we've got, got, got a relatively young family, so we, you know, we're quite often... If there's nothing else on, we just, by default, we say, let's go to Roma Street. You know, just an absolutely extraordinary... Nice park, yeah, oh, it's beautiful. just extraordinary what they've been able to do there when you think back to what it was. Um, so, yeah, just still very blessed. You know, we deliberately, uh, we've mentioned on the way, in, don't have a car. Well, the family has a car, but I don't have a car. But it, it means that on the weekends, if there's nothing else going on, we just we just go for a walk. And whether you're going down, as you say, through King Street or you're going up the other end of town, you're going through Roma Street or whatever it might be, it's... Uh, yeah, to me, it's like being on a holiday in your own backyard.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, we've sort of spoken about the idea of <laughs> it's it's a bit of a waste sometimes having two cars. I think
1: it really yeah. is, especially when there's only yeah with Uber two, these days. There's only two yeah.
0: you, you know yourself and your wife and and uh, having a car each and and living you know between here and the city. You know, we yeah. sort of in Windsor, which yeah. is only yeah. right in the middle, and you could walk up. You could walk um, to the city absolutely um, within yeah. an hour. So yeah. Um, and the train station isn't far away, so there's yeah, an Uber's nine dollars. So, <laughs> I,
1: I do have a confession. I did have a car, but I, I I wrote it off by crashing it into the back of a police car. So I, th- I fi- figured that that was really? that was a bit of a sign. How long ago was that? <laughs> uh, it wasn't actually that long ago. It was. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, you, would, you were living in Brisbane. Put it that way. So, um, and there's a, I've written a book about it, but it, it's in the kids' books under somebody <laughs> else's name. But it uh, yeah. wasn't my finest moment. That's so uh, okay. so it happened some time ago, then yeah. Well, and it is, and it's uh, the tip for young players is that because the, poli- the police have to do a police report, but n- no one that was involved in the incident can do the report. And this was at like I think it was at five or maybe quarter to five in the morning on a Sunday morning and they had to get a guy. The guy that was on standby lived at Logan and the crash was in town. Mm. Uh, so he was not a happy camper when he got there at about 6.15 because mm. we literally dragged him out of bed to, uh, to do the police incident report. Mm. Anyway, so th- that, that was my tip for myself that maybe I wasn't... I don't need a car yeah. <laughs> off the back of that. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, what is there anything you're sort of looking...
0: Is there much you need to achieve between now and Christmas as far as you have any, any sort of... Commitments you try any sort of goals that you're trying to uh, finalise get done before Christmas?
1: Yeah, I mean we I think our business will be a lot like yours. We we find that this is the this is the zone to really buckle down and get into it. So a lot of our planning for twenty nineteen is is seriously in play to the extent where you know, you talk about the speaking, so some of the seminar courses that we'll be running, we're booking venues, we're yeah, we're course. locking that out, the, the landing pages are getting built. Um, so it's It's an interesting time of the year because, as you you said at the start, once Melbourne Cup has been and gone, that's sort of the end. But for for us, we we really are doubling down and focusing. And and the books are another thing. If we're not, you know, we'll we'll have a couple of manuscripts basically done before Christmas because we have to. If they're going to be released next year, it's probably another four or five months by the time you go through all the editing and the design and the production. And, you know, that just takes time. And so if we don't run hard till the finish line, Mm -hmm. we, we miss out. So you, obviously, with the amount of books that you publish, you must find that the, the the publishing part of the book
0: is that sort of fairly down pat process now.
1: Uh well, I, my, my wife runs a publishing <laughs> a business, so I I've got to say yes, don't I? I don't have a choice on that. So, we, um, yeah, she she's well, just for me, she's probably published almost a hundred books, and Jesus. Um, and it's become a little bit of a session. but uh but, yeah, more widely, she, she does that more widely. And, and, yeah, she's got a great team around her. And, again, it's another – all, all cloud-based yep. and all around the world, all, everyone doing their little bit to be able to deliver it. So she's, she's done that for quite a while. Yeah, well, we, we started that with the kids' books back in um, yeah. in about uh, seven or eight, I think, and, and and very much on training wheels, didn't do it more widely. And, and then, yeah, just like any small business, got a bit of momentum and, yeah, got yep. lucky. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think, uh, I mean, what you've done,
0: uh, I mean, you're certainly somebody I look up to when it comes to what you've achieved, uh, being able to get your, um, you know, an idea out there, working, you know, successful with it, um, you know, writing books and uh, the, you know, the speaking that you do, you, you certainly, you spread yourself fairly wide, I think. I think uh, it's safe to say that you're fairly hard working when it comes to... to um, you know, getting, getting everything done and meeting all your deadlines and getting all these things out and, and, and rolling with it. Um, so it's certainly been a pleasure to have you on the podcast today, uh, Matthew, and state planning. It's, it's certainly a big thing that uh, I think the listeners and anybody else make sure you've got it up to date. Um, there are nice and easy solutions out there, um, you know with with confidential tax and business services and and what we do with view legal and and uh, getting a solution that's affordable uh, professional and uh, will ultimately be be the best one. Um, so thank you very much for your time Matthew any sort of
1: final remarks or anything else? No only two Thank you for having me on as part of your podcast and congratulations I, I love what you're doing here and yeah, appreciate the opportunity to be part of it. No,
0: or else we'll try to get this uploaded so people can listen to it over the weekend if we want. Right, uh, Share it on social media, but thank you very much. Uh, That's been uh, From the Valley Podcast, Brisbane Business Life, Tim Wilshire, uh, along with Matthew Burgess here on Friday the 9th of November, 2018. Thank you very much, everyone.